0: Well, it sure is nice to be here with you tonight. Um, My name is Pastor Kent, and I used to be on staff here as the missions pastor, and in 2015, left for Uganda. And we've been back for a little bit of time here. Um, We'll go back as a family in July. Um, But this service has always been special to me. Uh, When I was on staff here, I'd always do this service. This was the one that I'd always volunteer for and teach. Um, It just means so much. Considering the magnitude of what this day um, is to us as Christians and in the church, and um, really this whole entire week is just a monumental week for us as Christians. Um, depending on how much knowledge we have of scripture, you can just, I mean, there's so much information uh, within this week of prophecies being fulfilled, uh, promises met, kept by God, of course, the covenants being fulfilled. And it's uh, it's just one of those uh, these, one of these weeks that we have as Christians that we cannot do without. Amen. It's really probably the most important week for us as a church, and all around the world, people are celebrating this week. Over a billion people are together, and we've been, yeah, amen, yeah. And. You know, I just got back from Africa, from Uganda last night around 10 o'clock. And I had to do this service. And so I was like, get me on this service. But if I fall asleep up here or act goofy, (laughs) throw your Bible or something, get my attention. I might just doze off or something. I don't know. Um, Last Sunday, I was sitting in one of our churches, um, one of the students that we've taught in our schools. Um, Pastor Samuel, just a phenomenal teacher himself. And uh, But the beautiful thing about Uganda, guys, it's beautiful there. It's lush. Uh, there's palm trees everywhere. Um, and when Palm Sunday comes around, they take it seriously. Like, And so they all grab palm branches from the palm trees, and they bring them to church. And so in the morning when I'm driving to the church, all over town, people are walking, riding their bikes on the back of motorcycles, wherever. Little kids, old people. They're all carrying palm branches to the church. And for some of us, if you see it on the calendar, Palm Sunday, but we have like, what does that mean? And you go back into the triumphal entry and you see the the significance behind Jesus coming into Jerusalem. We'll talk about that tonight. But as I was sitting in the back of the, uh, the church... And I was listening to Pastor Samuel, and I was, I think, the only person that didn't go get a palm branch from somebody and bring it to the church. I was sitting there empty-handed, except with my Bible. I had a two-year-old walk up to me. His name was Luke John. And he taps me. I turn around, and there's this little kid, and he gives me a leaf from his palm branch. I was like, I got to keep it. It's my bookmark for my Bible now, right? Um. he just looked up at me with his beautiful little eyes. Here you go. And and so, and then at the service, you know, at the end of the service, everybody picks up their palm branches or their leaves, whatever they have. And we wave them and we praise God with them. It's just so special when you connect to the traditions and connect to what this really means. And this week... If you go into the Jewish tradition and into the Christian tradition, it kicks off a chain of events that God had already ordained and designed, even through scripture it explained it, of God's plan to redeem that which is lost, and that's us, to give us salvation, forgiveness of our sins. It was before the foundations of the earth that God had this plan. And he just sets this thing in motion through feasts. There's seven feasts in the Bible. And there's certain covenants in the Bible that you should know. And tonight I might talk about one of those covenants, the Abrahamic covenant. Because Jesus fulfills it by going to the cross and rising again on, the, on Sunday, resurrection day. Um, but this, this event that taking place when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey and people are waiting on him with palm branches in their hand and they're laying down their garments. They knew he was coming. At least a small section of people, they knew. Others just ignored it. But they knew because they knew the counter and the plan of God and they had already pieced it together that Jesus, after three years of ministry on this earth, this has to be the son of God. And all this Old Testament scripture was coming to them to get them to understand when he comes down on this mountain, here he comes ushering in something that's big. Starting with the first feast of Passover. And they were just praising him, waving their palm branches, and they were connecting that he is the son of God, the lamb of God. He's the one to worship. Do you know how significant that is? Could you imagine even being there for that? Ye- thousands of years, their ancestors had always been looking towards this day. And it's right in front of them. And here comes the Messiah down on a donkey. Fulfilling scripture. Zachariah to ride a donkey down. Showing his humility. Them laying these palm branches. Which shows signs of royalty. But also shows signs of the nations, palm trees reflect. It's it's symbolic of the nations. And Jesus, He's going to be the King of the nations, the Messiah for everybody, all nations, tribes, and tongues, as He comes down. It's really interesting um, when I read Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. Of course, this is the multitude in the great tribulation. This is in the future. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We're going to be there doing this with the palm branches. I hope mine's bigger than this. (laughs) I hope I have a big fat one. (sighs) Like one of those heavenly palm trees, man. You know? We're going to also participate in it. And even if this was happening at this time, it's still coming in the future. It's a glimpse of something that's even greater. Jesus came as the lamb of God, but he's going to come back as a lion. He's the lion and the lamb. And when he comes back this next time, it's going to be spectacular. And we're going to be a participant of that. But we are looking towards that as the Jews always did before Jesus came. We're looking forward to that in time as well. But here we're kicking off something. When Jesus comes down on this particular day, we call it triumphal entry day. Palm Sunday, triumphal entry day. And where do we even get all this information? And, and then when Jesus comes and they have the Passover meal, why are they doing that? It's important to know. And then why Jesus dies on that Friday, why we call it Good Friday, and he resurrects on Sunday. He's fulfilling something. He has to fulfill it because he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's how we know he's the Messiah. And so tonight, as we go through the Passover we go through even one of the covenants, Abrahamic covenant. You can kind of, hopefully, it builds your faith as you grow in the knowledge of the scripture and who Jesus is. But the reason why Jesus was coming in on that day is because if you go back into Exodus, all the way back, this is how long it goes back, the second book of the Bible. The children of Israel were in the land of Egypt as slaves, God heard their cries. And you know the whole story, right? The, the the plagues with Pharaoh. Well, the tenth plague was the kickoff of the Passover this week. And so you go, this tradition that was happening, what we're celebrating, goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 12. And it said in, in Exodus chapter 12, God says to Moses to tell the people that I'm changing the calendar. On this particular month that you're in, it would have been March-April time frame. Because they go off a lunar calendar, so it always changes. You're going to start over. Everything starts over. Prior to that, the Egyptians, their, their day, the, the, the year it starts over is around September-October time frame. God says you're going to get rid of that. We're starting something completely different. We're going to start now in March or April, which is the reason why we always do April, Easter at this time. And he said, okay, you're going to start over, and then on this month called Nisan, you're going to count 10 days, the first 10 days of that month. And on that 10th day, you're going to bring an innocent, spotless lamb into your house. Everybody is going to do this. You're going to be a part of this, right? Every family, every household. And you're going to keep this innocent, spotless lamb in your house all the way up to the 14th day. Which would be a Thursday. And then at twilight, as the sun is going down right before the Jewish day kicks in the next day, they sacrifice that innocent lamb that's been in their house since the 10th day. So it's in there around five days in their house. And then they roast it and they cook it with bitter herbs. So it's not even really an enjoyable meal to taste because it's sort of bitter. Because it's symbolic of something that is to come. And he says you're going to take the blood of that innocent lamb. And you're going to put it on three parts of your door frame at your house. Can you picture this? So when you do this, then the whole family comes and they watch probably the father or the mother. Pick up the part of the blood. Put it on the two sides of the door frame and the top one. And the reason why God said you need to do this because at night I'm going to come by. I will pass over your house. If you have the blood of that lamb, then I will spare your house. But if you don't, the firstborn in that house will die. Even the firstborn of your animals will die. This is all by faith. They're writing on faith. And so they go ahead and they do this tradition. And this is what, well, they start this tradition. This is what they do with this meal. They put the blood on. And then the 10th plague happens. And even the Pharaoh's son dies, the firstborn. And there's a cry throughout the entire land. And that's when then the children of Israel are going to take off. But God says on that day, when you, on the 14th day, now going into the 15th day, that 15th day, get rid of all leaven in your house. No more leaven, no more yeast. I want things to be pure in there. And they, they look at that, that yeast as if it was some sort of sin or whatnot. Remove it. And for seven days, don't have anything in your house that, res, that has leaven in it. Seven represents completion, right? So that starts on a Friday. This is in Exodus chapter 12. All of this information that's in there comes a little bit more clear when you get into Leviticus chapter 23 when you start talking about a little bit more about this feast. But when Jesus comes in, he comes in on the 10th day of the month, that Sunday. Palm Sunday is the 10th day. That's when that you would bring in that lamb. And then the, the, the last supper that he had with his disciples in the upper room was going into the 14th, they had to sacrifice that, the lamb that they were going to eat. And then starting in on the 15th, they would eat it together. And then we know what happens after that. Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane. And then that day on Friday, he ends up dying. Fulfilling all of this. And when he dies on the cross, he removes our sin. It's Completion right so all these feasts that we have we have the passover and the feast of unleavened bread all happening right there there're seven feasts and within this week actually three of those feasts are fulfilled that's how p- important this week is so the jewish people in the world right now they have just celebrated and eat it they have just eaten the, their little lamb That they would have because they're still following that tradition. But the Christians see Jesus as that. Jesus was the fulfillment of that lamb. He's our Passover lamb. And then we have that third feast, the big one, guys, that we're going to celebrate on Sunday, the Feast of First Fruits. And it says on that day, the 17th day, you're going to celebrate the Feast of First Fruits. And that's when Jesus comes out of the tomb. The feasts are paramount to understand the scripture. It, can, it tells us the entirety of God's plan from beginning to end. How Jesus comes in and how he's going to take us out. That's how important these feasts are. This week, three of them are being, have already been fulfilled through, through Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. So as, as we go through... And we try to understand why Jesus is doing this and why he had to die and how it had to be set up on these days, these particular days. And he had to follow this order because he had to fulfill it. But then I'm going to tell you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read to verse 15 if you're following along. And this is where we'll talk a little bit about the Abrahamic covenant, how Christ fulfilled that, why it's so significant. Okay? It says, In Jesus, or in Him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What does this even mean that... By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is that? Like, does that make sense to you? Like, how does the circumcision of Christ take away our sins? And so this is extremely important to understand, even on this day that we're celebrating, how he fulfilled a monumental covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, on this day. And how he will fulfill it on Sunday as well. In Genesis chapter 15. God tells Abraham in a dream. Abraham. I need you to go get certain type of animals. Five different types of animals. And I need you to cut them in half. Can you picture this as I'm just telling you this? I need you to cut them in half. And I need you to make an aisle. Half of the body of and one animal is right here on one side. And the other half is here. And I want you to separate them. And he does it. And so you would just have this natural aisle, a pool of blood. That's in. That's, that's happening here. That's what you would have. And... And as he's doing this in his vision, in his dream he's getting, then he sees this image of God, a smoking pot and a torch, go through this aisle. And he has to try to make sense of this thing, of what's happening. And we know that that image is the image of even like what we see, the Shekinah Gloria in in the wilderness, the pillar of fire at night and the smoke during the day. Going into the Holy of Holies, it's the image of God. It's as if the image of God walked through that aisle of blood. And then in verse chapter 17, he says, The sign of that covenant is, is I want you, when you have a male child on the eighth day, circumcise that child. Now, I just read something about circumcision, right? You need to circumcise that child on the eighth day. No matter what day that falls even if it falls on the Sabbath, you're going to circumcise that child. And if you don't, you'll be cut off from the community. That's the sign of the blood covenant. And so Jesus fulfills this when he comes and hangs on the cross and dies and rises again on Sunday. And the reason why it had to be a male child that you would do this because it was pointing to something that God would walk this covenant for us. Because in that covenant, Abraham never had to walk it. It was only God that walked it. And if you don't know anything about a blood covenant, normally what would happen in a blood covenant is that you would create this aisle of blood and then the two people that were coming into agreement would, would both walk this in a robe. They would both walk it and they would have sign on the bottom of their robes that they both walked it. And if anybody breaks it, then it's their blood that will be spilled, right? That's how tight this covenant is. But in this vision that God gave Abraham, only God walked that covenant, not man. And it was always going to be this. And the sign of that is this this child that you're going to circumcise and you're trying to make sense of like why you do this, right? So when Jesus now comes, it all starts to make sense. Because on the 10th day of that month, of triumphal entry, the calendar starts, the feasts kick in. And you just start counting. You count eight days as Sunday, the Feast of First Fruits Resurrection Day, eight days later. It was always a, a picture of God fulfilling his covenant by Christ being cut for us on the cross and raising again on Sunday. If you go back into going through the calendar, which is super important to the Jewish people, and that's why God gives us these dates eight days later. So you're always looking, and that's why Paul is teeing off on this piece of information here. That in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, we know what circumcision is, but there's a spiritual component to it. It's a symbol of something that is yet to come at the time. And it was always a picture of Christ hanging on the cross, being cut for us, and then rising again on that Sunday. Does that make sense, or did I confuse you with numbers? <laughs> right? You didn't know it was going to be a math test on this day. But I'm saying this because it was a fulfillment Of this Abrahamic covenant that God gave all the way back in Genesis. That's how far God's plan goes back. And then when Jesus comes in revelation in his robe. What does it say? It's what? Blood ring around it. It was dipped in blood. As a sign that he fulfilled that covenant to come back and get us. Guys, the scripture is amazing how it ties everything together for us so we can trust God. How he fulfilled one thing, the Good Friday, here we are, he went to the cross. It was prophesied over and over and over in the Old Testament through feasts, through covenants, through the Psalms, through the prophets. Over and over, it was prophesied to us. And here Jesus fulfills it all. And on Sunday, he's going to fulfill the feast of first fruits so we may have life. He defeated death so we may have life. And in here, it said that you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, meaning you haven't given your life to the one who died for you, Christ. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven of all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, all those Old Testament laws that you had to do, he wiped them all out on the cross. Where we have freedom now that the people, our brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, never had prior. They had all the sacrificial system they had to go through, and when Jesus came as the Lamb of God, he stood on that cross and said, Finished. He had wiped out these requirements that were required of the people to be right with God. And now it's, do you believe by faith that he is the son of God, the lamb that died for us? Having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Amen? Guys, this week... Now you're like, it's a complicated week. I thought it was easy. Yeah. Go back and study it. It's for your own edification. It's important. If you're a new, or if you're, if you're just kind of stumbled in here, you're like, what is this guy talking about? So let me break it down for you real simply. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He sent his own son to die for you. And his son rose again three days after he died on the cross to defeat death so we may have life and have it abundantly. He lives so we may live. And if you believe in Christ and you believe that the cross is the power of the gospel, of salvation, it'll change your life radically. It will put you in a different mindset. It will give you joy. It will give you peace. It won't give you necessarily a great life of abundance of things. But if it does, praise the Lord. But the idea is you get to walk with your heavenly father who loves you so much he sent a son to die for you. That's what this day is about. And it was a hard day. It was a bitter day. But on Sunday when he rose again. It was a day of absolute joy for the disciples. They couldn't even believe it. They had three days of darkness, three days of depression. And when they found that the tomb was empty on Sunday, that eighth day from the previous Sunday, if you counted them, my goodness. How it changes our lives, especially if we believe it. Today is a day that we now look back to this day and say, thank you. It's a day we look back and even remember in our own life when we gave our, ourselves to him. And said, I recognize I'm a sinner. I have trespasses. I have sinned. I'm not good enough. There's not one person good enough, the Bible says. And that's why he sent his son to die for us. There's no other way. There's no other way. And sometimes we just hear that over and over. If you're a seasoned Christian, how many times have you heard that? And sometimes we can check out on that one truth. Yeah, I received that one. What's new? What's next? It doesn't get better than that. And it's up to us just to say, I just need to meditate even on the basics. And are there even such things as the basics? That's not basic. That's huge that God would do this for us. And so today what we are going to do is if you're not a believer... That simple message, come to Jesus, ask him, tell him that you have sin, ask him to remove it. And he says, yes, I will do that. He already nailed it to the cross for you. Just take it up, take him up on his offer and walk according to him. He is your Lord, he is your master, he is good. I love you, Kev, you just keep it going. Amen, Kath. <laughs> and come, if you need help with, in prayer, you need to talk to some pastor, we'll be down here on the sides. But tonight's different. It's going to be a different. There's no worship like normal. The worship is going to be the hearing of nails going into a cross. Now you should have received a piece of paper when you came in. If you snuck in before we were handing them out, we have some for you on the sides or on this table right here. Can you hand me one of those please? Thank you. If you didn't get one, we have them up here. And it says write down your message to God and nail it to the cross. It's between you and God. If you want to Say, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for what you've done. Whatever it is it's between you and nobody's going to track it down and try to figure out who wrote it. It's your worship to God and only you and your worship to God. Some people already have taken the privilege of doing this. And we're just going to listen as we hear those, those nails go in. At the same time, we're going to do communion. And communion is something that Jesus did. At his last supper with his disciples, he said, You're gonna take this bread and he breaks it and he gives it out. He's like, You're gonna remember that I broke my body for you, that my body was broken for you. You're going to do this. And then he's gonna pass the he passes the cup around with the wine in it, and he said, With that red wine, he says, This is the blood of the new covenant that you will remember that I shed my blood for you. And you're going to do this in remembrance of me often. And so we are going to take him up on that. We're going to do it together. And as we are doing the the nails to the cross with the piece of paper, you can also come and grab communion and just sit. And you can sit as long as you want. And just meditate upon the truth of who God is and how good he is. Talk to him. Have a... Have a conversation with him. Let's pray with people, whatever it is. It's just a night of reflection. And so hopefully I explained everything appropriately. If not, you'll catch, the, you'll catch it real quick. There's nails up here. There's hammers. There's the papers on the tables if you didn't already get one. There's a communion on three points. And come at your own leisure. But I'm just going to say this. As we meditate upon this, this is usually a darker day. But on Sunday, come on. There's a reason to celebrate. There's even a reason to celebrate today. It's why we call it Good Friday. Because Jesus did all the work for us. We didn't have to walk it. Amen? Amen. 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 So why don't we stand up and I'll pray. And as we all bring the lights down. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for our, our church. Thank you so much. We have this awesome church of people. That come on a day on Friday to remember you and what you've done for us by giving us your son on the cross thank you Jesus for enduring it being separated from the father thank you for making a way for us thank you for walking the the covenant that we don't have to do that and we know you will never break it and we know you're going to come back for us and we thank you for that And as this this day came true over 2,000 years ago, we know we're looking forward to the next one, the next three feasts that have to be fulfilled. We thank you for each person that's here. You know what's going on in their lives and help them just to walk according to your gospel, worthy of your gospel. Help us to celebrate on Sunday as we celebrate your resurrection. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.